All right, we are live. Another episode of Short Up and Invest. J Money, what's going on, my brother? Hey, I'm doing good, Kevin, man. Missed you last week. I we're know back you were here. in Puerto Rico, brother. You were living the life. I was loving it, man. I, I, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> the, life, the life that this that this grind provides. Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, hey, we're true virtual investors. We just don't talk about it. We really, really can do it, you know? Kevin goes to Columbia for like three months and then the year every year, and I was sitting here all <laughs> jealous of him. So <laughs> I had to go to the island and see what it was all about. That's what's up. That's what's up. Listen, we're going to talk more about how you guys can jump in this game and be able to enjoy your life just the same. Today's topic, we're going to get deep into construction loans. There's a lot of different type of construction loans when it comes to investing in real estate. A lot of people are calling me all the time, figuring out how that works. So we're going to break down the, the the details and and some tips and tricks that you need to know about that. What else you want to cover today, Jay? You got anything that has been happening in the last week or two that you want to share? Well, I mean, I think on the you know the same being the construction loans is maybe just kind of um you know I got an email from you today about uh, some loan programs that are coming back. You know, maybe just give an update on, on what's going on out there because you know we all have investors looking for you know certain type of products and i know you know me and one of my partners mike have been waiting for some stuff to come through and so maybe just kind of give a quick update on you know how it's looking out there in the mortgage industry and kind of get into some construction loans and maybe tell a couple stories because one of my partners in harrisburg just had to go through a loan a draw <laughs> with you yeah and yeah yeah we just... ups and downs of what's going on now during covid with it yeah so basically what's happened during this whole pandemic it's a given a lot of uh financial institutions, whether private, hedge fund, or the traditional ones, whether you're buying a house to live in or you're a fix and flipper or whatever type of investor you are, this pandemic's really given a chance for people to like really regroup, start mm -hmm. looking, start focusing on the details as the time when we're rocking and rolling and deals are coming in, you're trying to tweak your systems on the go. So every single time you're like, all right, yeah, we'll figure that out. But this is what we need. And so really revamping systems or sometimes going through your quality control um, is hard to do when yeah. you're going 100 miles per hour. I mean, we know that in our own businesses, when we're trying to launch a new marketing campaign and trying to uh, install a new software to do lead gen or CRMs or whatnot, it's like, okay, cool. One hand over here while we're still <laughs> rowing the ship. That's just yep. the way it goes. So this pandemic has really given, um, especially in the private money side, a chance for a lot of people to kind of look at their systems, fine tune them, see where the, the holes are, see where some of the frustrations were. And a big topic is on the construction side. But the good news, which you alluded to, is... It's all coming back from the residential side to the commercial side. It's starting to come back in a conservative way. There is some adjustments, but even the private money for fix and flip for the next 12 to 24 months, if that's what you're looking for, is back in the game with some conservative guidelines, which we'll go over. Um, the 30-year long-term private money is finally starting to show its head again. And again, conservative, but it's starting to come back. So we are now able to do that. Hedge funds are starting to come back and purchase um, 
some of these loans on the secondary market from the private money side as well. Mm. And it's good news for the people that are in good financial situations. Definitely. I was just having this conversation where for the investor, I was having it this morning, for the investor that's trying to do a deal and it's like their home run, but if it goes wrong, it's going to break the bank and they're going to be in a tough situation. Those deals are going to be very hard to get done. We're looking for liquidity. We're looking for good credit history. Because even though it's coming back on the market, it's still coming back on the conservative side. We want to be able to do business with people right now that if the market shifts and after elections, we start seeing where we are, mm-hmm. where's that person can, what well, we need to do all the time, pivot, adjust. Can they hold on to the property a couple more years? Can they turn it into a rental? We don't want them to be completely broke and out of luck and basically leave the project abandoned if the market turns on them because they were trying to make 50 grand on this flip. And if this doesn't happen, their money's tied up there and now they're broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're looking for sound, you're looking for sound, you know, sound investors that can handle and adjust whatever comes, you know, comes next. Because again, there is some uncertainty still in the air. I mean, it's good to see some normalcies coming back. You know, a lot of these products were, you know, were in, in abundance <laughs> before Corona hit, you know, and it's good to see them coming back on some kind of scale. And again, like we said, those investors who are, you know, have liquidity, who are uh, balanced, you know, who have a good standing and a good footing, you know, will be able to continue to invest regardless of the market. Right. If you're if you're a real investor, you're going to invest regardless of the market. You have to adjust some of your formulas. Right. One hundred percent. Now, this doesn't mean, guys, that there's not who we call Pepe Con Plata out there. The guy who's got (laughs) money and he's not necessarily the traditional or the institutional money that we're talking about right now. So we're talking about what's out there. We're talking about what you can easily find with dealing with the right people. Mm-hmm. You still have the ability, and this is something that that you'll hear on the show all the time, to make VIP relationships with okay. your dentist or the retired uh, entrepreneur who lives in your neighborhood. And their guidelines and their threshold of what they're willing to invest or partner with you in is going to be completely different than the traditional sense that we're speaking about in today's show. So there is a difference. And what I'm going to cover is the norm. But that doesn't mean there's not exceptions to the norm, like in everything in life. Yeah, you're going to kind of show, you know, some of these conditional, I mean, conventional and non-conventional, right, lending platforms are out there. Again, the private money, you know, the doctor, the lawyer, you know, the uh, the, the person with the 401k that's full, that sees the market go down like it did the last couple of days, right? They're still out there looking to put their money into play. You know, and those are different, different options. These are, you know, more conventional guidelines on the private money or conventional market and what's out there right now. <clears throat> right. So let's talk about the breakdown of construction loans. So there's a couple of different ones you'll hear sometimes in the traditional sense, there's a 203k loan for FHA for someone who wants to buy a house and live in it. And they want to do, they want to fix the roof. They want to fix the kitchen and they want to get 
uh, basically a mortgage to buy the house that also has tied in the construction side of it. There's also on the conventional size, the one-time closed construction loans that works exactly the same way. I do get approached a lot by people that want to build their custom home that they want, you know, to build it from the ground up or knock something down that will fall into those categories. That's mm-hmm. different than the real estate investing game, the fix and flippers, which is where we're going to focus on today. But those loan programs, they were frozen for a while during Corona. Now they're slowly coming back out to the market, just like in the private money side. They're a little bit conservative now. They want to make sure that you're not overextending yourself and getting caught into a bad situation midway through a construction project. And that's kind of the fear overall and why the rules are set to make sure that it's a sound investment no matter what, if you're fixing and flipping or if you're doing a custom home build. Definitely. In the fix and flip side, what we normally hear, the traditional side, or if you're Fixing to then hold, right? If you want to keep that proper rental, but you to bring it up to par because you got a really good deal on it. This is where we get into what we call construction draws or the construction loan side of mm-hmm. the, the, the deals. It gets a little confusing because normally in the private money game, we have a hard ARV limit. So ARV, you've, you guys have heard us talk about it in the show a lot, is the after repair value of the property. It's what the property should be able to sell for when it's in done in prime condition based off all the repairs. Yeah. This is always a magic number. And I think <laughs> it's the number where a lot of people make the most mistakes. Mm-hmm. Because they compare it to something that they want it to be, (laughs) not necessarily what they're planning to do themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking at a house that, you know, somebody went through and did it from top to bottom, but then they're going to do a mid-grade rehab and want the same exact value. You know, and that's not, appraisers don't work that way. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So obviously, listen, when we're talking about after repair value and it's very relevant to the construction side because it makes all the um, sense in the world to, to basically decide to invest in the construction to get that ARV if you're going to do it correctly and follow the true comparable that you're, you have in mind. But if you're comparing it to the person that has the pool and has Mm. the brand new kitchen, the brand new bathrooms, the brand new floors and you know, the security systems and the the back patio with the TP and all that. (laughs) And then you're going in there and slapping just paint, cleaning it up changing the fix the fixtures on the uh, handles of your cabinets and on your doors and basically putting in some elbow grease on the floors and think that you can compare it to that property. Yeah, you're saying, you know, don't just go to Zillow and, you know, take the Zillow comps and say, hey, I'm going to get that, right? Because Zillow, that's what Zillow does. Zillow throws all that stuff in the one and gives you a value, right? Where you actually got to go there, you know, pull some comps for the mid, for the grade of, you know, construction that you're going to do, the rehab you're going to do to get a true ARV because this is where investors get killed, right? They think the ARV is 150 
And then the, the appraiser comes back at 125, right? Then they want to yell at you. <laughs> and it's not your fault, right? It's like they're comparing a house at 150 when they only did the 125 rehab, you know? So that's 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 the main key when you're doing a construction loan is that initial draw schedule. I mean, you want to kind of go over the draw schedule or what, you know, what that entails and, and how you go about that? Yeah. So we're going technically, especially now, up to about 65% of ARV. That's our, our ceiling, essentially. Yeah. So us as a private lender in a situation where you're coming to us wanting to do a rehab, we don't want to put more than 65% of our money into the deal, but we need you to have some skin in the game as well. And what is that different from before? Okay, like what was it before? Was it 75 Before we were doing usually about 10%. So as long as you put in 10% of whatever the purchase price was, we would put in the rest of the money so up to 95% of ARV, yeah. right? So yeah. we would put 90%. And this is where it's a little confusing. And we'll do some charts and stuff like that. And we'll sh- share because I'm a visual person. So I really like when, yeah. you know, we have, oh, maybe I can bring up a calculator. Let's let's do this on the fly and see if it works. Maybe if I share my screen and share the calculator. If you're listening to us via audio, I'll still explain it um, so you can hear it. But let's see if I can share it. Tell me if this looks right, Jay. Um, and can you see the calculator? Yep, I can see it. Looks good. All right. Looks good? All right. Yep. Perfect. All right. So let's say that this property is worth $100,000 to make numbers nice and easy. And then our limit, our ceiling that we just talked about is $65,000. Well, mm-hmm. 65%, which is $65,000 as you guys see here. So I'm the private lender. You're coming to me to buy the house and get some construction on this, right? So I'm not going to go higher than 65000 total at the end of the day. To answer your original question is, let's say you're buying the property at 40000 Okay, so now you have a deal that's worth 100000 but it needs work, and you got the purchase price at 40000 We do these deals all day long. This is a normal situation. Back in the day, you would need to get at least... 10% in the game. Now, sometimes we're still doing these for our VIP clients that we know they know the market and things like that. But if I don't know you from, from anything, and this is our first deal together, before I would be able to let you come in with $4,000 plus the closing costs. And then we would put in the rest and you would be able to buy that property. Now, that 40000 is more likely, depending on your credit, because we are taking a look at your credit, just to kind of see what your habits are. We're not Mm -hmm. sitting here getting crazy with it, but we're going to take a look at it. Some of the bigger projects, we are requiring between 660 to 680 credit score, unless we can look at the credit and see that maybe it was a medical collection, something that makes sense that might have hurt your score, but isn't really a bad credit situation. We are using common sense underwriting, mm-hmm. but someone who's got a bunch of lates on their student loans and their cars and, and a couple mortgage lates in the last couple of years, we're probably not going to want to get in bed with that person right now. But assuming everything is kosher, now we're probably going to go, 
we're going to go from 40,000 to 80% of that, which you guys will see here is a total of $32,000. So you got to put in $8,000 into the, we want you to put in more skin in the game so that you're not going to um, just walk away from the project because you got your money tied up in there. Just like we do, no matter what happens in the market. Got it. Got it. Now so you basically went from having to put ten thousand in to having to put twenty thousand in, and just so we're clear right now, ten percent yeah, to twenty percent. Yeah, just so we're clear right now, this is on the acquisition because we're talking construction loans. So the construction side of that is not you're not talking about that yet. This is just on the actual purchase price of the property. Right. So right now we're just talking about buying the property, but you still need construction loan from us, which is the point of the show today. So not a problem. This is for the day of closing. You're going to bring $8,000 and we're going to bring $32,000 and you're going to be able to buy that property that's worth $100,000. So now the construction side is, give me a number, uh, Jay. Uh, let's say it's 20 grand. Okay. So $20,000 to get this property up to par so that it's truly worth $100,000 ARV after repair value. So if I add $20,000 to the $32,000 I already gave at closing as the lender, we have a total of $52,000. That works perfect because as you guys saw earlier, my limit, my ARV limit of like, I'm not willing to put more than 65% of the ARV into this deal works perfect. It's 65,000 if it's worth $100,000 ARV. 52,000 is well under 65,000. Me as a private lender, I love this deal. Mm -hmm. This is a beautiful deal because I'm not even close to 65% ARV. I'm at total 52% ARV, which is 52,000. Divided mm -hmm. into 100,000 ARV. Beautiful. Like, we'll do this deal all day. But I'm not going to give you the $52,000 the day of closing. I'm giving you the 32 so you can buy it. And then we're keeping 20 in a piggy bank. Let's just call right. it. The lender's keeping the piggy bank. And they're the ones that are going to basically what we call a construction draw. I'm going to basically give you the money little by little as you finish the project based oh, on. You mean I can't just, I just can't get the 20 now and, you know, go out there, buy my new Tesla and, you know, see you when I see when I'm done. <laughs> typically, 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 to be honest with you, it doesn't work that way. Yes. Now, how does that get done? Yes, it goes back to our disclaimer at the beginning of the show. When you have relationships with people, Definitely. There's times that it gets done. I know you and me have done deals and I've given you all the money. Yeah. We have a relationship. We have trust. I know you're going to get the deal done. I'm not going to sit there and worry about the inspections, this and that. Also, it has a lot to do with the numbers were sexy as hell. So it yeah. was a very low risk situation. So a lot of factors play into why I may or may not. But going back to the traditional because I don't want everybody thinking that they're going to be able to go out there and establish relationships with their private money people and they're going to get 100% of the deal funded the day of closing. Traditionally, you're not going to get the full $52,000 on 
up front. You're going to get 32 to buy it. And then the other 20, we're going to roll it out as you start to, you know, yeah. complete the project. Now that's called a construction draw. So just so you know, and just to kind of give an FYI, so basically there's there's eight grand of the purchase price that I'm the buyer has to bring, plus closing costs. A lot of investors, especially new investors, they get they get freaked out when they don't understand closing costs. There are closing costs on every deal that you buy, right? So there will be closing costs involved in there. So you need to have some money up front for the close of the sale, and then you need to be able to start the construction, right? Because the way Kevin does his draw, which we'll get into, you do some work, you show him it's done, then you get a draw for it, right? So you need to be able to have at least that amount of funds on hand. Yeah. So here I'm going to share with you guys. Tell me if you see it, an example of a draw schedule. Can you see it? I can see it. Try to zoom in some if you can. I don't know. If... Does that work now better? Yeah, that works a lot better. Yep. Okay. So here's a little secret sauce for you guys that have done a construction draw before or want to do one. Less is more. And here, as you can see, we did it super simple. We did it where it's kitchen, appliances. Try not to use the word et cetera. This right here, you got away with it. But et cetera doesn't mean anything. But essentially, this was kitchen. It was going to cost him 80350 It AC, the roof, another 8350 Bathrooms, 8350 Flooring, walls. So he basically broke his down a total of 41750 that we held on to as the construction draw. And he built, He basically said, I'll do it in five different draws. It doesn't have to be five. You could do it in one. You could do it in three. You're the person that's telling us how you're going to manage your construction. And that's key, right? Because you'll see people put down every little thing in the kitchen. And this is construction. It's going to change, right? It's going to change. And I see people freak out like, oh, man, I didn't do that. You know, if you just put down this, the kitchen's complete, right? That's the work for the kitchen. And like you said, you could you could go through and do the kitchen, AC, and the roof and come to you for a draw then. It doesn't have to be, I come right now for draw one or I can do it in different, in different you know, sequences too. Right. Every time you finish one of these draws and you want the money, so let's say you finish all the kitchen with appliances, et cetera, and you want the 8350 Okay, no problem. You let us know. We send out an inspector. The inspector checks it out, takes picture, and makes sure that it's actually done, right? They don't want to get there and basically find, you know, uh, a fold-out table in the kitchen, mm -hmm. and then you're trying to get away with saying you finished the kitchen. So that's the reason why, because from a private money side, if I'm going to put more money out on this project, I'm going to do it guaranteed that that part of it gets done. Here's why. If for whatever reason something goes bad and you ditch the project, well, if I put $32,000 out, then I gave you another $8,000 for the kitchen, at least the kitchen is done. Yeah. yeah. So if I got to foreclose and take back this property and figure out what to do with it, at least that is something that I don't have to worry about. Yeah. And the further down you get through the draw schedule, the better the condition of the property is because we pay after the work is done. Then you can draw on that construction budget from the piggy bank that we've been holding. And that's how it kind of works. Definitely. Yeah, you're protecting your investment, right? I mean, if you want to 
jump shit after I did two draws, right? Hey, I got a property that, you know, we invested 52% of the ARV and you did two draws already. So you're in a good position as a lender still. Right. I know. And, and potentially, let's say they did these two draws and for whatever reason, God forbid, car accident, God forbid, loses their job, the economy changes, market shift, COVID, lockdown. I mean, we're mm-hmm. living in a time that anything can happen. I think we've proven that this year <laughs> yeah, in definitely. 2020. So if that were to happen and the project goes, I technically didn't give them the rest of this money. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even in it for as much money as I originally thought. Exactly. So right. I'm, at, I'm only in it for another 16,000 plus the 32 that I gave instead of giving them a full 40,000 up front. Yeah. We don't give them money up front, guys. Let's say this would have been the draw. This Let's say this would have been the total money I had in the piggy bank. If I would have given them all this at closing and then Corona hits and we go on lockdown and this person stops paying because their whole business fell apart. Now what? Mm-hmm. I gave the budget to not only buy this, but I also gave the money for the construction that never got done. So if I got to foreclose on this property... I now have to put money to get this property up to par or sell it as is and hopefully get all my investment back when none of the construction was done or 50% of it was done, but I paid 100% of it. That's why it's going to be very hard for you guys to get all the construction money up front from the traditional type of lending institutions or experienced lenders. Again, your neighbor down the street might do it, and that's different. Or if you have a great relationship and they know you, they know your business, they know you have backup and reserves, then that's different as well. So that's kind of the 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 mindset behind why we do this, how we do it, and how it's worked out. You did point out a very important detail, and people look at this and might say, oh, that's pretty simple. I have gotten the ones that are like, Kitchen cabinet left, uh, two <laughs> cabinet right, three kitchen cabinet uh, fixtures, a light bulb, uh, this and that. Right there, guys, I would highly, highly be- advise you against that. Simply mm-hmm. because the more details you put, the more they're going to make sure it gets done. So now every line item is going to depend on that being done a hundred percent. Yeah. That doesn't get to like, like what is the process now? Right. If somebody puts all that in there or somebody puts that, what's the process of, Hey Kevin, right. I did the work, right. I got, I got the kitchen done. I need my money now. Right. I don't have much money left to continue. What do I do? So we, we had, we've had a couple of different strategic um, clients and it can be done this way. So let's say like you bought the property. Let's go back to to our example at $32,000. Uh, sorry, at 40000 You put in eight. I put in the other 32000 The construction is $20,000. i am holding it in the piggy bank as a construction draw. But you only really got ten. You don't have the full twenty to be able to finish 100% of it to be able for me to give you your money back. Yeah. So this is why draws make sense. Use the 10 
for your first draw, let's say you do $8,000 worth of work, spend it, then call for the inspection. The inspections usually run anywhere between $100 to $150. We inspect it. We see that the $8,000 kitchen is done. And now we fund you the $8,000 minus the inspection fee. All right. Now you got your money back again. So you're playing with that $10,000 and you're basically going per draw. All right. Now I'm going to do the bathrooms. You spend your $10,000. You do the bathrooms. Now you come back and then we give you the bathrooms. And then you finish the painting of the house for $2,000 and you do your third inspection. And then we give you back the $2,000. So you were able to get $20,000 worth work worth of work done yep. playing with the draws of investing it, getting it done, getting it now from the piggy bank. Now going back and doing it again. And that's how you basically do it if you don't have the full money. Got it. Got it. And it's not the, the, the key to that is it's not like some crucial hard, you know, process, right? Like it's not like I put my money up. If you if you do the work <laughs> that you said you're gonna do and you and the draw schedule is approved, you'll get your draw, you'll get your money back. So right. Hence why keep it simple, just say bathroom, just say tile, just say painting, just say, you know, whatever fans uh, don't get super detailed because it gets complicated. And we'll tell you a story in a second about that. King George is asking, does your lending criteria or anything in the process change if the flipper acquires the property creatively leaving the original mortgage in place? So what King George is talking about is a sub two deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there is obviously, um, there is, that changes the game depending on what you're trying to do. So if you have a mortgage already in place, that means there's already somebody in first lien position. Yeah. So you got to find the private lender relationship that will allow you to do a second position, second mortgage, that they're comfortable going behind the first mortgage and lending you, let's say, if this was the project and you needed $40,000 to bring it up to par, that private lender is still probably going to measure it against ARV, right? They're Mm -hmm. probably still not going to want to go past 65%. If your first mortgage is under that, you might find a lender out there that's comfortable going in second position and giving you a construction draw and handling it exactly the same way. The only challenge you're going to have there is finding someone that's comfortable going in second position behind the first mortgage under those terms. If you're looking to get a private mortgage to pay off that mortgage and then also give you a construction. So you're essentially refinancing by killing that mortgage and just now letting the private lender with the construction loan go in first position, well then, you know, that's probably going to make them a lot more comfortable in that situation. Yeah, good question. Definitely good question. We got another client that's saying, would you try to use the 203K to fix up any of your properties? All right, so the 203K is an FHA loan. FHA is your traditional residential deal. Um. Some of the challenges is that's meant for primary residents. So it's not like you can't do that, but you're going to have to use the strategy of living in the property 
why you're doing this 203k renovation. And listen, I got investors that do this. And Jay, I'm sure you know a few yourself. Mm -hmm. They buy a property, they use the 203k, and then they live in it and then sell it a year or two later, make the money and do it all over again and go bigger and better every single time. Yep. I just advised, uh, I had advised a client of mine the other day about that. I said, hey, if I was you, a young guy in his 20s, right, single, no kids yet, just, he's looking to get in real estate. I said, hey, if I was you, I would go see what option you have for FHA 203K or an FHA loan, and either get a property that needs some work or get like a duplex and just do that house hack thing. Like we say house hack, you know, just keep moving on up, moving on up, moving up. So that's a great, great strategy. But again, you have to move into the property. It cannot be your investment properties. Yeah, exactly. So if you already have one that's a primary and what you're trying to buy with FHA isn't bigger and better to get a 203k loan on that one is going to be tough. And you can't have multiple 203k or even multiple FHAs within the same market unless you're moving out of state to something else. Then they'll make the exception of the rule or under special circumstances, you may be able to get an exception. But to be able to flip properties is not going to work. And if you guys get traditional real estate financing deals, here's a little tip or a little hack as well. If you get a conventional or an FHA and this is really an investment property, what the bank needs to make for this not to be an issue for them. And believe it or not, they do look at your history of mortgages they want to at least collect six months worth of payments. So whenever you get a convention or an FHA loan, if you flip that thing and it doesn't take six months, they don't get paid six times from your pocket. They lose money because remember, they have a staff overhead. They have they sell the loan out in the secondary markets. They have agreements with that secondary market. They pay commissions out to the people that are like myself that lend and broker to them. So there's a lot of money spent to be able to do one loan. And that break in that break even factor has to be at least six months or more. Mm. Anytime you pay off a traditional mortgage prior to six months, they're not happy about it. Private lenders don't care. That's yeah. why the private <laughs> lenders, they're a lot more lenient and they'll lend you the money. If it takes you three months to flip, no big deal. And they lend it to you at a more expensive term because they make their money up front. That's why we charge points. That's why we charge an interest rate. And then most of the time we don't offer a prepayment penalty. It's like, take as long as you need to. You got 12 months or you got 18 months to do it. If you do it in three, great. We'll do it again. Go find another property. I'll fund you again. Yeah. And if not, then, hey, okay, um, we're going to have to extend this if it took you long. But if you go traditional... And you pay them off within six months. I will tell you, if you do that more than once and then they start seeing that habit on your credit report where you get a FHA loan and then you flip it and then you get another FHA loan and you flip it and you get another FHA loan and you flip it and you haven't been making at least six worth months worth of payments, they're going to give you a real tough time uh, mm -hmm. underwriting your file next time. And you're not going to know why. Because you still qualify, but they're going to go through every loophole because they know your game and they don't want to do that deal to lose money. So can they, can they technically deny you because of that? Like, is there a red flag where they can say, hey, 
this is an issue, or they can just they can try to comb, you know, pick through everything and find what they can find. Um, every guideline has what they call underwriter discretion. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So they could basically say, hey, it looks like you're flipping properties and this is not an investor loan. You're showing a history of paying off these mortgages in three to four months. Mm. So we don't feel comfortable giving you this deal because this is you've shown a pattern yeah. of flipping the properties for a profit because they will go into public records yeah. and see what you bought it for, what you sold it for. And they're not stupid. They have a, they'll they will see what your game is, and then you know. I remember back in the old back in the HUD days when uh, we were I was doing a bunch of HUD deals, and HUD came out after the foreclosure crisis happened. They were trying to stabilize the market. HUD came out with the whole you couldn't buy a home as an investor, right? If you're an investor, you couldn't buy a home for like the first month. You had to be a homeowner or a HUD approved nonprofit or a teacher, firefighter, whatever. And I knew a couple of guys who were, who were kind of maneuvering that law and, HUD, and they got caught, right? HUD, HUD will find out what's going on. They, they, they tracked them down, saw what they were doing with the deals and said, hey, this is fraud, right? If you, you said you were buying this house to either live in or as a nonprofit and you just buying it to flip it and they got in big trouble. So they will, they will. Don't mess with FHA. <laughs> Don't mess with HUD. You know, do things by the book. Now, if you do it the right way, you can technically do what Kevin said. It's not illegal to buy a house, fix it up, live in it for a little while and sell it. You know, yeah. but you can't just... Not, yeah. It. If you're in it for eight months, if you're in there for nine months, you know, it's all right. It's understandable. Technically, they want you in there for at least 12 months. That's the sweet spot. If you're in a property for 12 months, at that point, you could rent it, flip it, sell it, and they don't care, and that won't be a problem. They made their money. They got paid back. You were in the property doing your thing. That's all good. So those are tough, but they're doable. And I do know a couple people house hacking like that, and and it works, you know. So we'll we get into that in in our creative training that you yeah. guys can find that uh, shutupandinvest.club. There's a free virtual training, and then there's a bonus training that we have in there for the creative financing and. We get into house hacking and, and some mm. of the tricks there. One point that I wanted to share when we were talking about the construction draws, let me bring it back up. You got to make sure, and this is like what Jay was alluding to on a deal that we had. We got You got to make sure that the same construction draw is the one being used the whole time with all parties. The appraiser cannot get a different construction draw. So when the appraiser is doing the appraisal report, and is calculating the ARV, if you give him a construction draw that says, I'm going to turn this into a jacuzzi, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to include this and these fixtures, and then all of a sudden you send this as a construction draw to us, uh -huh. realize that when we connect the dots, if the ARV is based off of a different draw schedule, Mm -hmm. That means that value is based off of that plan, not this one. So whatever that gets used for the appraisal, whatever draw schedule gets used for the appraisal is going to be the one that at the end of the day, everyone's going to stick to. Mm -hmm. And that right there can complicate things. So again, I can't stress enough. Keep it simple. Uh, don't... If for yourself, if you're using one that has every Home Depot 
product you're going to buy and you have it because you're really good at breaking down things down, please. I mean, that's awesome. I am not at all telling you not to do that for yourself. Just do not give that over as the draw schedule. Keep that for your own internal breakdowns and numbers and your tracking and then just round it off and give it to you know, the lender and the appraisal in a very simple format like you guys saw in that example. Perfect. And is, is there a time frame? Like, is there a time frame on, hey, I got the first draw. I need to have the last draw done within this time frame. Most of the time is pretty lenient depending on who you're working with. I mean, I've had guys that don't even end up taking the draw because they've had someone come and say, hey, I want to buy this off of you as soon as you're done. And as soon as they finish the construction, they're in escrow. And it's like, sure, you want the money back for two weeks while you've, you know, finished the sale? No problem. And we fund, we wire it and then they pay us all back. And they didn't even get a chance to really use the draw just because their property was hot and they already had a buyer lined up as soon as the construction was done. Um, but if you take, it, it's as good as the whole term of the loan. So if you took out the full loan for 12 months, you got 12 months to to do it. And if you decide to do three out of the five draws before you call for an inspection because you have the money and you're putting it up and you're getting everything done, and then you call and, and we come and we check all three draws, then you really will turn it into one and we'll give you the money for Anything that's done that you originally put on the draw schedule, we'll fund it if it's done. If it's 75% done, we'll give you 75% of the number you put. If it's it's 32% of it is done, Mm -hmm. then we'll give you 32% of the money that's in the piggy bank. Like, that's the way it works. Got it, got it. We covered it pretty much, you know. Yeah, the good thing is, you know, the programs are out there again. Um, Kevin's on the front line when it comes to lending, traditional and private, and he's seeing it open up. So if you got good deals, hey, if they're private deals, send them his way. <laughs> he can make them happen. He makes them happen for me all the time. So you know, I can talk from experience. But the money's out there. The banks are loaning again. The private money's out there, right? The institutional money, which is the hedge funds, is out there. But then the actual, the private money in your phone book, in your, you know, your, calendar that money's out there too so don't be afraid to go out there. if you got a good deal go out there and source it to some people <clears throat> there we go hopefully this clarifies it if you guys got more questions you can find us in the facebook group shut up and invest look us up you can also dm us in through the social medias and if you're looking to be in puerto rico for <laughs> weeks at a time like jay money and his family he's got his kids homeschooling they're going wherever they want living the beautiful life go to shut up and invest.club you will get a free training we got over 20 videos in there that shows you exactly how to pick up deals exactly the softwares and tools and resources we use everything from how to get them to how to sell them to mindset to i mean we break down pretty much everything in there and the reason it's free is because we want you guys to start doing deals and Definitely. then bringing them to the table to see if we do deals together. We're looking to go ahead into more markets and we need people that got the knowledge yeah. and the skill set. Definitely. Definitely, man. Hey, until next week, guys, remember, shut up and invest. Check out the free virtual investing course and uh, send us some deals. We're looking. We're out. 
Hey, thank you once again for listening to Shut Up and Invest. If you guys are motivated at the thought of continuing your real estate journey with us, then visit shutupandinvest.com. There you can join our community and take advantage of more free resources. And don't forget, please like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear our new content every week. Most importantly, get active and don't forget to shut up and invest.